Sam. So these uh these Brexit things, eh? That's a bit of homegrown madness. Sup kids, how are you doing today? So, I don't know if it's just me, or if it's just you, or the way things are going, but the way I've structured the podcast this year, it seems like I don't do these as often as I would, and maybe it's just because I recorded a bunch in, in kind of quick succession, and then and then scheduled them all instead of recording them once a week. Um, however, welcome back, I hope you've been well. So I've been watching the the world unfold. I mean, yesterday I watched uh, Notre Dame burn down, which was an interesting experience, and I can't say I particularly cared for it, but things happen and there's projects to work on and, and the world to keep revolving, but one of the things which is dominating, and I mean dominating um, the UK, at least, at the minute, and I imagine parts of the other rest of the world, is this whole Brexit thing, which is, I mean, it was expected. Whether you want to admit it or not, or whether you agree with Brexit or you don't agree with Brexit, you will be unable to deny that it will change the way the political landscape works within England, at least uh, for the foreseeable future, because it's one of these... One of these events, which just is going to happen, and is going to be referenced and used and and just be part of the landscape for the next 20 years, at least. It's a lot like, I mean, this is our, um, this is our minor strikes in terms of our generation or my generation. I say our generation, I just assume that you're the same generation as me. Apologies. You're not as old as me, or you may be older, I don't know. But this is our minor strikes. This is our, our kind of deal. Uh, Iraq was our Cold War, um... It was our Falklands, and then came along, and there's this Brexit situation. But it keeps going on and on. And in a way, when I stand back at it, I can't help but look at it and think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mess. In the same way you look at an abstract painting, it's a beautiful mess. It's something which you can't really, uh, you know... You couldn't orchestrate it. I mean, people did orchestrate it, but you couldn't do it planned. There's no way. There's too many variables. Um, Even if you tried to orchestrate it, it just wouldn't... It won't end up just as well as it has, and it's beautiful in a sadistic kind of way. But I'm a person who likes to watch the world burn, so what, what do I know? But what it has brought out is a, a huge amount of uh, campaigners, a huge amount of, of activists, and uh, on both sides, you know, um, hate groups and other groups and new political parties and new new ways of thinking and people kind of. Breaking the lines of partisan voting. I did a whole podcast on partisan voting with my brother um, a couple of years ago, two Christmases ago. We we chatted about partisan voting and how it kind of destroys political landscape. And this is this has shook everything up in terms of how things work and how people go. Um, but what it got me thinking on was something which is it's a message I think I've discussed before within podcasts. And there's, there's a very fine line between having an opinion and an idea and a cause and pushing that idea in a cause, and attacking another group of people. I'm a firm believer that different ideas can exist, and they can exist, and they do exist. Um, And when they compete with one another, then that's where kind of friction develops. But I think that friction can be good for a society. Um, 
because it, it generates conflict and not not so much conflict but it generates a bit of competition it, it generates different ideas you know you don't problem solve by sitting in a room on your own you problem solve by by getting a, a different perspective by viewing things from different things from taking on new information that's how things evolve and how things change and that's how humanity works as a whole um but obviously the it can lead to bitterness. It can lead to a whole host of just overwhelming pettiness. The, the geopolitics of it all, the, the race politics, the gender politics of it all. It can lead to a lot of attacking on people. Um, and I saw some recent posts, and of course Facebook's just rife with it because facebook is an anonymous or semi-anonymous platform for people to just spout whatever they want and usually it goes unchallenged because most for the most part the people you have on facebook are people who agree with you because they're from your friend groups they're people who are just going to go yes this is a great idea you're saying speaking the truth and then as soon as you put it on twitter you get attacked because twitter is a more open platform so rather than living in the little bubble i've been i've been getting a little bit more into twitter and i don't know if i like it um but you open the bubble a little bit and as soon as that happens then suddenly there's an enemy there's someone's fight against there's someone to rail against and while some people like that and some people can deal with that some people can't so what is the point i'm getting at here as i say i you know i started using twitter recently um and a lot of that is 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 blank statements aimed and just fired into the, the universe um you know let's get to get conflict going in order to generate that conflict now so i'm not a fan of bullying who is um i it's one of my things i was bullied as a kid um and i know adults who bully people and i know uh i can recognize bullying and i can recognize mob mentality and when you use mob mentality to descend an opinion um that's not right in my view Regardless of the opinion, whether it's a positive or a negative opinion, if you use mob mentality and peer pressure to push that opinion, you will never change the mind of the person you're trying to change. Uh, they may appear to accept it, but they won't entirely. Um, I believe generally you have to have discussion. You you have to convince them rather than berate them. But again, this kind of brings me round to my point, which I've already gotten lost on through two or three times. So what it made me think of was when I was watching this shouting, and it's people shouting, it's people on two sides of a river or a coin just yelling at each other at times, that's all it is. There's a few like nuggets of moments of clarity from either side, and you kind of sat there going, oh yeah, you know what, maybe that actually makes sense. You know, the EU offered uh, an olive branch and was like, yeah, you know, if you extend, um, I don't think it's possible to get the deal you want in the time you want, so what if we just extend it even longer? You know, I'll, I'll put that out there. That was like the head of the EU put that out there. Um... <laughs> I was watching it, and I'm watching it from Sandler's, as I do. And I say, to me, it's like watching a car crash, um, or the Hindenburg. It's terrible. You you watch it, and it's a mess. and It's an absolute mess. It's watching someone drop a pot of pasta in slow motion. It's a bowl of chili dropping out of a hand. You can't look away, because you need to see what happens at the end of it. You need to grasp onto it and go, oh my god, this is going to make such a mess. But you can't look away. You just can't. There's, there's no way around it. There's nothing which you can do about it um, because it's what you want to see. Um, or you don't want to see it. You're just extremely curious because it's something you've never done, you know, because it's, it's a change. What about all those millions of times? And then you've got some context. And maybe you can even look at it and use it as a life lesson. You can come along and go, oh, no, that's what happens when you try and carry too much chili at once. Um, 
and that's that's a whole other situation. But it reminded me of a line which I read, uh, no, saw, read, watched, watched, wow, words, um, uh, when I was watching a documentary on Vietnam. I know, I sound like such a, a middle-aged man. I'm watching war documentaries. No, it was generally interesting. I don't know particularly much, about, or I didn't know particularly much about Vietnam uh, because it wasn't my war. It wasn't something I was alive for. It's something which I've caught up with um, afterwards. And it was not, it's not even something which is particularly taught in UK schools because it wasn't particularly our war. It was America's war. So... I just find it interesting to kind of delve into it. And it gets into the whole political landscape of how these things came about and all that kind of stuff. But there was a really interesting phrase, which was uh, spoken by a former uh, military, I want to say general, but he probably wasn't a general. Might have been like a sergeant, something in the military, fairly high ranking officer, um, who used a phrase, which I've discussed with a couple of friends, of the the military isn't doesn't train you to be a killer it's not a a beginning to end process it is not something where you kind of sit up and go right we have these people and we need to train them to kill people he described it as the army is finishing school and i thought that was an amazing sentence that was it's it's you know the military is not a process for teaching it is a finishing school for killers and I thought that was fascinating because it brings up this whole argument of humanity and our basic nature. Now, the, what he was trying to say was that you that people naturally can kill, given the right situation that people can naturally kill. Um, and it's, it's proven, you know, we, we look at a site, people do kill, even outside the military. That is just, just a fact. People kill for one reason or another, whether it's self-defense, whether it's Pardon me, to attack people, excuse me, sorry about that. People do kill. So the military to him is just finishing school, is teaching you how to do it efficiently, how to do it without thinking, how to do it without that reservation which you get trying to think, should I do this, is it morally right, etc, etc, etc. And I'm not going to get into all of that because I have my other, other gripes on the military which will we'll go into a whole other podcast which people can rip on me on. So... Thinking of that line and how it's basically just finishing school, it got me thinking about whole this whole idea of good and evil. Now, I'm not a person who believes in evil. Evil as an entity does not exist in my view. I believe there can be people who commit awful actions, and I believe there are people who can be trained to commit awful actions. But I do not believe there isn't something in this world which is inherently good or inherently evil. I just don't believe that because, I mean, in one way, I don't believe that because it takes away any choice what you have within your life. But secondly, I think that it's worth thinking those we see as evil can be changed because if not, then what's the point? You know, it again, it takes away that whole decision. So my view on humanity is that we, as people, are very gifted at figuring out the quickest point from point A to point B. And then basically efficienting this now we've proven this time and again time and again because we have technology and we have food delivery systems and we have you know process production that is what humanity does that is what we do and there's nothing particularly evil about that it is just 
the nature of us to look at things logistically and go, if I need to do this and this is the way I need to do it, then I will create that. Now, obviously, that can be also used in a terrible sense, as it has been used in a terrible sense in the past, and in things like warfare, in things <coughs> like genocide, in things like serial killers. So it's a double-edged sword. It's it's the worst and the best of humanity. Um, so when you think about this whole idea that military is a finishing school, essentially military enlistment and 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 heading off to do that isn't particularly teaching you how to be a killer. It's it's showing you the path which will allow you to do the endpoint in a way which is least damaging to yourself. And that's the way to think of it. So why am I looking at this in the format of Brexit and current UK politics and World War? Now, and I realize that Vietnam was a little war, I was just using that as like a nice, nice segue. I'm looking at this because when it comes to organization and when it comes to activism and when it comes to political debate, there is so much personal attacking which occurs within it that I think people forget what they're actually doing. And they may not forget it. They may they may be completely aware, but from the outside perspective, people forget what they're doing. And it's that it's that whole I think idea that if you're going to attack someone, you're going to attack their idea. That the main process from getting from point A to point B in the the finishing school of of doing things is that if you dehumanize your victim, it makes everything simpler. Doesn't matter what you're doing doesn't matter how you're approaching it, if you are a human being and there is other human beings standing in your way, dehumanizing them, thinking of them not as a person, makes the whole process simpler. Makes it so much easier for you to do the unnecessary, the necessary steps, regardless of how bad those steps are, to do it. And it can be said completely the same in the opposite direction, that if you stop thinking of people as people, and you're able to dehumanize them, you can think of them more logically and efficiently. Now, obviously that has drawbacks, and is a way of coping, essentially, and is used mainly to do things which are bad. But I think it's something which people can accidentally do without realizing that that's what they're doing. And this is why I bring up Brexit, and this is why I bring up the whole political landscape, is that you kind of sit back and look and think, am I attacking the issue or am I attacking the person? Have I just sat down and said that anyone believes one capacity is wrong and therefore evil, um, and if I label them evil, then therefore they're not human because evil is an entity which I can't fight against, so therefore it's not human, only I can be human. Therefore it doesn't matter what I say about them. That's... That's essentially what you do. And I, you know, I've, I've watched it. I've seen people do it. And people forget that people are human. And this, I recently put out a tweet. Um, as, as I mentioned, I've been getting into Twitter, mainly just to find podcast guests, um, people more kind of interesting than myself. Um, and I've, I've wanted to get politicians on the show, but I don't want to talk about politics. I want to talk about their lives, you know, their interests, their, their, their general day-to-day. -day. Do they like gardening? Maybe they're really into stamps. I don't know. I just want, I'm kind of curious. And I want to get the people who who people hate 
because there is this level of of, of humanity and the, the less you treat them like a human being the more they'll act like a caricature and the more you'll focus on that caricature there's this whole uh, trend this historical trend of um about hitler essentially um where people get really angry when you see photographs of him doing anything which isn't to do with the nazi party um so just general things like uh being in his garden eating dinner um hanging out with someone else it's weird to think of hitler hanging out i'm using modern terms to describe a dictator um but little things like that and people can't handle it they can't because they've used the coping mechanism which was dehumanizing him if he's if he's evil if he's um if he's just an entity which you can hate and an entity which is a representation of hate then it's easier it's easier to think oh well this can never happen again this could never change um the the whole thing was just good versus evil and when in reality it was a person it was a person who had a life interests and hobbies and went on to dehumanize everybody else in order to commit an act which was atrocious so it works from all manners of it and i think it's important to remember when you when you look at causes and when you look at issues especially social change issues that you don't fall into the trap of dehumanizing your opponent so brexit obviously has brought out the best and the worst um in terms of a lot of personality uh theresa may who is our current prime minister has received a lot of a lot of hate and you know i myself has have directed hate towards it because i don't agree with certain things um which have been done and it's a very fine line to walk but i think it's something which is important uh, to kind of broach within your own mind when you form an opinion when you look at something instead of just calling out a name and going oh well this person blah 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 associated with this thing blah 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 therefore evil blah blah because to them it might make complete logical sense and just yelling at them and going you're wrong everything you're saying is wrong doesn't work that's the whole problem with donald trump is that he doesn't communicate he doesn't discuss he just shouts down and that's why people hate him this is why there's no dialogue there's nothing to be said and if you're doing that you're you're doing exactly the same thing you you're kind of sat just closing off all the doors and going oh no 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 this is not right and it turns into just noise it's just all white noise and you're doing the same you're you're dehumanizing your victim whilst your victim in your view obviously is wrong there's no need because you'll never get them to change their view if you approach it like that there needs to be a balance of shouting and and discussion and 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 i don't think there is that at the moment i don't think there's that dialogue because people are too busy focused on tearing people down on either side I said I didn't want this this podcast to be a um, a damn stop yelling at the people you you oppose. You know that's not what this is. I'm fully support activism, 
of, of any time because it's people getting off their, their sofas and their beds and, and going and participating and, and generating discussion. And I think a lot of the best art in the world and a lot of the best conversations in the world happen when someone pokes the bear. Um, but without that discussion aspect, it's redundant. That was the problem with punk. Punk was anarchy. It was about just pushing those buttons. There was no solution to it. Um, so in the end point, it had to destroy itself. It would destroy itself. And then, I mean, it didn't in the end. The corporations did as soon as you could buy punk is done on a t-shirt. But that's a whole, again, that's a whole other problem. I'm getting away from that. But I don't know. It, I don't know if this is just me and how I view the world. I view the world quite logically. Um, from what I think, anyway, I mean, it might be circular logic, and we may go round and round and round as we do in a podcast. But when I look at things, I have to think about what I'm about to say. And I try my best to broach a subject in a manner which considers the subject the main source material, not the person. I mean, you know, I talk about Brexit, and I talk about uh, social issues and I, like the last um, episode I, I did as a solo cast was talking about white culture I try never to try and focus on a, a singular person because people you know they're people I'm op- I want to open the discussion I don't want to open open the banter I don't want to open the, the the personal insults on issues because it just ignores the issue it ignores the concept I mean I think that's my problem with a lot of artwork which only lords the creator instead of the work. The work may not be amazing. It might be kind of subpar, but that gets ignored because we're so busy holding up the person to the camera and going, hey, this is the person. This is, this is Look at this. If you disagree with the artwork, it's because you hate this. And, and that becomes another shield. It becomes another, another barrier for people to try and break through to even have a conversation about things. And I don't think that's right. But I'd be interested to hear what you think. Do we as a society, generate coping mechanisms. Do you do it accidentally? Have you ever dehumanized someone without realizing it? I know I have. And I've had to go back and reconsider my my stance on things. Do you think military is the finishing school? I don't know. I don't think humanity is inherently evil or inherently good. I think it's a choice we make. And a choice you can be conditioned into one way or another. You might not end up with that choice. But I think unless we keep having the discussions about it, less people will get a choice. That's it for today. I'll talk to you guys later.